Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night. One minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Len. And welcome to Minute 8 of Fright Night. It begins with Amy trying to get a good night and ends with Charlie failing a pop quiz. So, Amy's trying to get a just a response. Please just say goodnight to me. Make this better. Make this right. But Charlie is just not interested. But uh, I love that um, Mrs. Brewster kind of like, it's almost is like wiggling her eyebrows where she's like, thanks for helping Charlie with his homework. <laughs> <laughs> she knows what's up. And I love how, um, I just wrote down, Judy is literally a popcorn gif. I don't know if you ever seen like people put a gif of somebody eating popcorn, just watching a argument go on back and forth, back and forth, <laughs> waiting for something to happen. She tells Charlie that, you know, it wasn't very nice, but Charlie doesn't even acknowledge that. He just goes right on talking about like, hey, what's going on next door? He doesn't mention the coffin, though. And that is something I didn't mention in the last minute and we kind of skipped over it. But when they're coming down the stairs, he actually starts talking like, well, maybe it wasn't a coffin. So I'm wondering if he's doubting what he saw at this point. Yeah, that's what I took from it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were watching a horror movie. He's obviously a fan of those. So, you know, when you see something weird, man, it seems like a movie trope. But when you actually see something crazy in real life, you do start making excuses. You do start... Telling yourself it didn't happen. I've actually got a good example of that. Oh, interesting. So years ago, I was living in a house with a girlfriend and another friend. And the house was built on a hill. So if was you were- Was it a haunted hill? It was not a haunted hill. <laughs> There's a little back bedroom we had music recording equipment set up in. And if you were to look out that window, you were almost on the second floor now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was in this room uh, fooling around with a guitar and a face- popped up in that window no come on listen (laughs) it was pale white with an open mouth dead eyes it popped up in the window and faded into the blackness of night it scared the shit out of me but i laughed because i thought my mind was playing tricks on me Uh no way unless it was floating a vampire Uh or had scaled the side of the house like a lunatic (laughs) it was impossible so it couldn't have happened so I, I ignored it, and I went back to doing what I was doing, and I heard some scratching on the window. Nope. Thumping, and I looked, and there's that face, and it does it again. <laughs> so this time, I walk out of the living room where a couple friends, I mean, we were 19, 20 years old, living on our own for, you know, some of us for the first time. So there was always people over playing, I don't know, Nintendo 64, getting high. So I said, I think there was a face in the window, and they looked at me like, shut the fuck up, man. You know, like I was fooling with them. So you, anyway, you, were you on drugs at this point? Or? I might have been stoned. Okay. But as I was sitting there with my back to the living room windows, the bay window, <laughs> my friend said, I think I just saw a face in the window. And I was like, see, I told you, motherfuckers. It was, it was like a real life horror movie. About five minutes later, we're all looking in the windows trying to look outside. We don't see anything. It's pretty dark. 
it's maybe uh, peak of summer, so it's probably like ten o'clock at night. About this time <laughs> that we're recording, I'm right looking at the closed <laughs> shades, the windows yeah. around me. Okay, so I'm told I'm fr- I'm freaking out, and a couple other people are now too. And then a car pulls in the driveway, and our friend Jeremy comes inside, and we immediately attack him, accost him. Come on, man, let's see the mask. Like we know you're <laughs> messing with us. And he laughed along, like, "What are you guys talking about?" And as we're not believing him, you know, we told we were sure it's him pranking us. That fucking face pops up in the window again and fades uh. into. So now we're all freaking out. I run upstairs to try to get a better vantage from the bedroom windows to see if I could see the entire yard. As I'm doing this, everybody else, there's three or four people downstairs. They march outside and leave me in the house alone. And I'm like, what the hell? I, I have to run downstairs, you know, stumbling. I <laughs> I run outside in like a Scooby-Doo cartoon, like run into the back of the line of them, you know, scaring everyone. <laughs> Like, what are you guys doing? You left me in there. Are you kidding me? I'm I'm thinking about calling the cops. All in my head is like, this got to be an escaped lunatic. Like, what? Who can float? This is how horror movies start. Like, I can't believe you guys went outside. Are you fucking dumb? And we round the corner and sitting on a post in the middle of the yard on a broom handle jammed into the yard is a CPR dummy's head. (laughs) And as we're like, all registering this, a couple other friends jumped out of the bushes and scared the shit out of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So you they, all just beat the crap out of these two, right? Like, you just plowed into them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, we, it, it was one of the funniest pranks that's ever been pulled on me. I deserved it. I've always been a little bit of a prankster. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you something, man. When I first saw it, those first couple of times, I really... I knew I saw it, but I was already telling myself there's no fucking way that was real. So in Charlie Brewster's defense, yeah, I can see it. It's a real thing. It's not just a movie trope. It's a real thing. Real reaction. That is actually one of my fears of just like, it's something about being in a lit bedroom or lit room at night and then having windows around you that you can't see out of because it's so dark out. But, you know, something comes right up to that window. Like a face in that face in the window is like one of the scariest things. Oh, shivers. I lived it. Uh, I'm so <laughs> glad it was a, it was a prank because, <laughs> uh, okay, now I'm not going to have nightmares. All right. So, <laughs> so anyway, back to Judy and Charlie, she, she tells him that Bob Hopkins uh, finally sold the house next door. And for a second there, I was like, did she just say Bob Hoskins? Like the star of who framed Roger Rabbit and super Mario <laughs> brothers, like Bob Hoskins. Those no, Bob Hopkins, and he sold it to a uh, somebody that fixes houses up for a living. And so I just started thinking about people that actually do that. It seems to be more and more of a, a, a craze uh, these days. Yeah, flipping. There's television shows, a million of them. But... Yeah. If you had to ask anybody what a house flipper was like 30 years ago, nobody would be like, what are you talking about? But this has actually been around since colonial times. And, uh, you know, it would only be people who had time, money, and inclination to do it. But in the 80s, uh, there was an economic recession. Stocks were down, house foreclosures were up, and people would foreclose homes and then just fix them up and resell them for a profit as uh, the market improved. So really, modern day house flipping started around this time. And, you know, I don't know if you had the same 
uh, experience as a kid, but my dad always watched this old house uh, with Bob Vila. For sure. <laughs> that always yep, every Sunday. So he'd, he, he'd be one of those guys that just like, tell you to tackle on, you know, home renovation. And, uh, and then, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's started getting popular, which then led to YouTube fix it, fix it videos. And then, like you said, this whole rash of flipping uh, shows on reality TV. And I have a list of them. And it's just really funny to read this list off if you'll indulge me. Sure. <laughs> Interior therapy, million dollar listing, flipping out, property ladder, flip that house, flip this house, flipped off, flip or flop, flip men, <laughs> masters of flip. <laughs> Flipping Vegas, flipping Boston, flipping San Diego, flipping Miami, just flip, 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 flip. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's just interesting that, uh, you know, back in the 80s, like it it, it was uh, something that was starting to become more commonplace. People buying up houses and fixing them up and then selling them again. So what I also got from a like from a writing perspective is that's also a clever way to show she knows who owns the house and he's happy to sell it. Everybody's neighbors. Exactly. She knows who uh, Bob Hoskins is, obviously. He's the star of Roger Rabbit um, <laughs> and other movies. But he also owns the house next door. And yeah, I think she mentions uh, how, you know, it is kind of a, a, a fixer-upper. Yeah. But she does yeah. also mention that this person that bought it is supposed to be attractive. So I'm almost like... Thinking, yeah, that's just Judy again being a, a, a whore. She, <laughs> <laughs> she just wants love, man. She's lonely. She, I, um, I, she and yeah, she gets this little like shoulder back and forth and it's got the twinkle in her eye. And I just wrote down, she needs the sex. She needs the sex. She really does. She is a cool mom. She is. Uh, as you said, she's the cool mom. Uh, so as the minute rolls along, her voice is drowned out by a newscaster who's talking about a man's body being found murdered behind the railroad yards as the scene fades out. This guy is an actor named Chris Hendry. And he was actually in Psycho 2. He played Deputy Poole. He was also, he was also in The Langoliers, which apparently Tom Holland played a character in. I looked at the cast credits. I was like, what? So apparently I need to rewatch The Langoliers, which I don't remember right. being the greatest of Stephen King adaptations. But <laughs> uh, I feel like Tom also had – I know he – I think he directed Thinner. Uh, I think he had something to do with The Stand as well. He might have been in The Stand as well. Maybe. Um, but uh, Chris Hendry, the the actor, he went on to do audiobooks, and I stumbled onto his website, and he really has a great voice. <laughs> I, I I was almost thinking of just inviting him on the podcast so he could just blow us away with his great pipes, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> Why not? I did assume he was a local newscaster. In the novelization, they say this character's name is Robert Rodale, which I looked it up and that doesn't seem to be anything that they're referring to. Right. Also, KBHX is not a news station. Yeah, the last thing I'll say about the scene is, you know, we talked a lot about the decor, but this TV, like, I really do miss what TVs look like, used to look like, but I also don't. <laughs> I just, I don't know, there's something about, like, having this, like, giant piece of furniture in, the, you know, in your living room. When I was about maybe 9 or 10, the tubes in our floor model TV started going, and every, and the picture would get all weird, and you'd have to thump the side of it with yep. your palm. You'd have to smack the shit out of it. Yep. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, I always liked those, uh, those floor model ones. Um, mm -hmm. They're really cool. But, uh, yeah, they phased out, and now everything's flat, which is nice. 
so we go to uh, high school. I do want to mention that in the novelization, the name of this high school is Christopher L. Cushing High. Okay. Christopher Lee Peter Cushing. Okay. The novelization also says that Charlie is in 11th grade. Um, but then again, novelization, no basis in fact. Um, <laughs> so we see Charlie and Ed walking out of class. And Charlie is super pissed about the surprise pop quiz. I just love the delivery of that bastard. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And it's uh, funny, the, the line right before that, Ed is like, you know, telling Mr. Smith, I think it is, the teacher, generic name to like have a good weekend. Or like he's, he's being chipper with the teacher. And then, you know, right after that, yeah, Charlie's like, fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually in the original script, Ed is supposed to be holding a paper with a big A plus on it. So he's uh, kind of a teacher's pet kind of thing, you know? And also it's great that he says, nice, have a nice weekend because this does establish that, uh, last night was Thursday night. Now it's Friday night. Did you pick up on what Ed was wearing by any chance? Okay. Let's describe it. It is some sort of, it's a sweater. Is it a sweater? I think it's a sweater. It almost looks jacket like, but it's not a jacket. Not a jacket. It looks like Michael Jackson's thriller jacket. It really does. It's got these, it's it's red. It's got these high shoulder pads and then like buckles running. Because apparently you need to make sure your shoulder pads are buckled into your shirt pockets back in the 80s. Because <laughs> you never know. And it looks like it's plastic. Like the, yeah. the buckles and black straps. It looks like it's fucking pleather or plastic. And, uh, <laughs> So, yeah, Charlie is is super irritated, super bitter about this whole pop quiz being sprung on him. And I, I just thought to myself, like, you know, hey, Charlie, maybe you should have actually been working on schoolwork uh, in your bedroom last night than <laughs> trying to get into your girlfriend's pants. Because from what his mother said, you know, it seemed, you know, she at least pretends to think that Amy was helping him with the schoolwork up there. Now he's he didn't do any of his schoolwork. And, uh, yeah. Speaking of Amy, she's seen in the background looking super pissed off and she's wearing a pink turtleneck under sort of like a jumper that uh, is like the same color of the shirt and ribbon she was wearing in the previous you know the previous evening did you notice her getting clipped by that teenage girl that was walking with the red backpack no <laughs> she's like walking along and she just totally gets like slammed into and <laughs> I'm not sure if it was planned or not, but Amanda Beers does stay like laser focused on how mad she is at uh, at, at Charlie. Yeah. I also noticed in the background there is this dude with like Ray Ban shades. He's got the jean jacket, Walkman, and you see him doing like a secret handshake with a preppy dude in the background. I don't know. It just reminded me of high school so much. I remember like having like secret secret handshakes, you know. I wasn't that cool, I guess. You didn't have like a you know up down to the side, you know. With a friend? No, nobody would shake my hand, account of the warts and festering pustule. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you had that hunch back then. So uh, I'm glad you got that drained. But yeah, I should mention this is uh, that's probably uh last fact I should mention for this minute before we move on for the day. Um, this is the introduction of Stephen Jeffries as Evil Ed. And uh, it says in the credits his last name is Thompson. Hmm. Ed Thompson. Stephen... Uh, he says, my agent sent me an audition for Weird Science, and Anthony Michael Hall was the same agent that I was with, and she sent me by mistake. So we talked about casting director Jackie Birch uh, last week. So he went to audition with her, and she was just like, you are not Anthony Michael Hall. 
And he's like, uh, no, I'm not Anthony Michael Hall. So he said that he sat down and talked to her for about a half an hour. And from that discussion, when the script for Fright Night came up, she remembered him and sent him the script. And so when he got the script, he thought he was actually being asked to audition for Charlie Brewster. And so he was kind of upset when they, the, you know, the casting director was like, oh, no, no, you're we want you for Evil Ed. We want you for the weirdo friend. You know, and I'm just thinking to myself about his reaction when he looks at the script. In the script, they describe Evil Ed as such tall and thin with a terrible complexion and a personality to match. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so this is Stephen's third film credit. All these films he did in 1985. He did this one. He did... Fraternity to Vacation, like I mentioned with Amanda Bierce. They were they played boyfriend and girlfriend, I believe, in that film. Uh, he was also in Heaven Help Us. Then after this, he goes to he co-stars in At Close Range, which I remember like uh, really wrecked me when I I saw that. And yeah, uh, or it's Sean Penn, Christopher Walken. It's really yeah. Um, then he was in Amazing Stories in 1987. He was in an episode called Moving Day. He plays a kid that finds out his parents are aliens. I don't recall that episode. Yeah, me either. I just, I looked at screen caps. I was like, eh, it doesn't. Made me want to go back and rewatch those old episodes. Anyway, then he starred in 976 Evil, which I was thinking to myself, oh, typecast? They're like, oh, Evil, Evil Ed. In 1990, he was in Moon 44 with Michael Pere, who was in, you know, Eddie and the Cruisers, Streets of Fire. Then in 1993, yes, we're going there. Eight years, eight years after Fright Night, Stephen became Sam Ritter and right. joined up with the porn industry, particularly uh, uh, gay porn. And yep. I'm, just, I'm just thinking money must have been tight, you know? He's a different dude. I, I hope we can get him on the podcast. Yeah. I uh, I don't know he, if I'd want to ask him about all this, but you know. Yeah, I don't know how open he is about it or not. I, I did meet him. A few years ago, I can't let too many episodes go by without bragging about the Fright Night swag I've got. But I do have a, I go. do have a signed headshot from him hanging in my office uh, as Evil Ed. Yeah, he was very sweet. He strikes me as like a, a one-of-a-kind kind of guy. You can see that in Fright Night. You can just see, yeah, he's a different dude. Just like continuing with it. Like he stopped in the early 2000s and began acting in... Uh, indie movies ever since then so he, mm-hmm. he's in kind of like you know low budget films but yeah i i agree i think he's great the he's got this manic energy to him but he's also like when he drops into serious he's you know you take him seriously and i it's just like that crackling voice and the, the just the the, yeah. the laughter that comes from him especially later in the movie i was just thinking about comparing him and i, I don't want to i don't want to slam the remake too much i like the remake not as much as the original but they tried plugging Christopher Mintz Plus, who's most known for playing McLovin in Superbad, yeah. into the into the Ed role, and he's just he's just nowhere no, right. near as great as Stephen no. Jeffries. No, that's what I mean. Steve, Stephen Jeffries is just like a unique human being. He's got his own energy and his own thing. Like Paul Rubens, you, you can't just you couldn't cast somebody else as Pee Wee Herman. It is that guy. I don't know. Stephen has that same sort of just oddball, unique thing about him that's like it's captivating yeah it's uh it's it's kind of nerdy but also kind of dangerous um, yeah 
Yeah, and he isn't definitely isn't a uh, a tall, thin guy with a terrible complexion in this movie. They obviously were no. like, "Oh, I like this. Can we can we work this around uh, Stephen? What 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 he's like? You know, it did make me want to like seek out some of his earlier '80s stuff. Uh, you know, just interested in seeing what he's like in other movies because I don't think I've seen any other movies that he's been in. I never saw Nine Seven Six Evil. I remember seeing the the VHS cover art for Nine Six Seven Evil all the time, but I never yeah. rented it. Yeah, it was like really creepy. <laughs> yeah, he's like all done up in makeup and stuff. Yeah, I guess I saw at close range, so maybe I'd want I'd like to go back and rewatch that to to you know kind of look for him. Another note on the remake, I just want to say I dug Anton Yelchin and Colin Farrell as Charlie and Jerry. David Tennant, he's great, but this is mm. he's just not Peter. <laughs> he's just not Peter at all. No, but I also don't really like the the Chris Angel take yeah. they took on that character. I mean, I suppose it makes sense being a remake in modern day that he'd be sort of that magician, you know, goth vibe. But I don't know. I just I like the old school Peter Vincent style monster uh, vampire hunter so much better right. than a than a guy in leather pants. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't like seeing Peter Vincent as like a spoiled rock star. He's I like him as the uh, probably the drama major that found his niche. You know, the the guy that was in Juilliard and uh, right. and uh, you know found his calling and starring in. Anyway, we'll, we have got plenty of discussion about Peter Vincent ahead. Um, sure. But uh, I just wanted to do that quick talk about the remake because, uh, yes, if you've talked to me online and said, oh, you're doing a Fright Night Minute podcast? What? Uh, the remake? And I responded like, no, no. You know, that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie very much. <laughs> anyway, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Min. Send your feedback to FrightNightMinute at gmail.com and please rate, review, and subscribe to us whenever you get your podcast, wherever you get your podcast or whenever. Uh, and we're <laughs> going to be back tomorrow for another Fright Night Minute. He's a vampire. A what? <laughs> You're so cool, Bruce.